Here are David Littlejohn and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, it is that time, your favorite Tuesday you've had all week. And if you were just tuning in, you were tuned in just right. I, there was a B in here. It was. Yeah, that was me telling you guys. Enough from the peanut gallery. We got a show to do. We are professionals. Where does that where does that saying come from? Like I don't understand. Like I get it. I use it. But where does where does the peanut gallery? Like I don't understand. From the Howdy Doody show. Is that, that what it was? was? Actually, the name of the audience was the peanut gallery. Is that what it is? Yes. Because I know the phrase, but I didn't understand the reference. Yeah, that's where it comes from. Oh, okay. That's just a. Did you know that? It's no. just a cultural reference older than every person in this room. <laughs> in this yeah, I was going to say. The fact that I pulled it out of my hat is a miracle. No, that means that your dad uses it or some some older person. Um, that's, you know, I actually use references that are older than me in, in my generation, but it's because my parents use them. And so you just. They're being around people. just colloquialisms, okay? They just exist, okay? Well, like you use the one like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes, and nobody does that because you don't throw the bathwater out, you pull the plug. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yes, like, that would be weird. Like, what have you done to your bathtub? <laughs> Ew, <laughs> gross. But it's but those are the things you use that phrase often, and like if you don't understand the history behind it, that you're like, what the heck does that mean? Like, nope, it just everybody just pretends that we they have smart know listeners. And they move forward. <laughs> is that right? what it is? Yeah, half you know half the time people hear something and they just kind of nod and smile like, uh-huh. In fact, there's a good portion of the time people don't hear it at all and pretend like they did. <laughs> yeah, we call that selective hearing. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty but sure certain people are more gifted is, is than I others. Age, it's less selective than it is like, huh? So Yeah. <laughs> Shitty things. It's more legit. Oh. Anyway, well, welcome. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the True Well Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. In studio today is Katie Shuck and yeah, Matt Dixon. All right, so we brought Matt back because we liked him so much last time, and uh, and he's not afraid of a microphone. We're gonna say, oh, I'm Matt, I'm just you eat that microphone if you <laughs> have trying. to. I'm speaking into it this week. Okay, now you're getting for the guy there. that is the tallest one in the room. He's he's uh, scared I about getting like close. Slouch, so I've got to sit down in the chair. Said, well, stop slouching. It, Matt, lift the chair up and adjust the microphone. Probably power forward. <laughs> power Although in the NBA, small forward really. Yeah, yeah. Six six. That would place me right in that mix. Yeah, small small forward, and. Um, I will still post you up. I am not scared of you. Hey, Matt. Yeah? What's your favorite food? Favorite food? Uh, burrito Vaquero. You're getting free advertisement right now. They have a Mondo burrito. I, I forget the name of it, but it's like six pounds. And my goal is one day to be able to finish it. And I always come close. And I leave that last little Oh, bit. that reminds me of, uh, what's okay, his so name in just, The Great Outdoors, where he has to eat like the whole steak. And yeah, he's like sweating. <laughs> the El Grande. I remembered it. Uh, it's worth day. every penny. Carne asada every uh, time. Okay. Well, I just wanted there, to ask so, him something. So I have now the challenge is to get Matthew to a point where you've done so much exercise and you're so That's famished right. that you can actually eat that whole yes. thing. It's a competitive eating challenge on air. I love it. So <laughs> I'm bringing you with. There me. you go, burrito vaquero. <laughs> Free advertising. Well done. So <laughs> that's what happens when we have favorites. I just wanted to ask you a question that had nothing to do with your height. Good. I feel like people talk to you about your height a lot. All the time. Yeah. See? So I just wanted to ask him something that wasn't about his height. Well, it turns out it's hard to miss. Well. It is. Yes. It is. 
still. So glad we had this talk. Today And we're done now. Good night. Got, <laughs> here's the fun thing. Uh, this show is about to take a turn, and I don't even know where it's going. I have a good one. Oh, well, I know, because you all have been formulating questions, and I feel like I'm about to get peppered. No. Maybe no. salted, but not peppered. Oh, fair enough. All right. Kay. So... And not assaulted. <laughs> Just... Sorry. Right. This, come on. This is a family show. Salt adds flavor. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Um, so... Part of it came from, we're going to do the high school show. Let's do it. We're going to do the high school show. Okay. This so, one, by the way, this is going to become a recurring theme. We're going to start building out some of our YouTube channel. And uh, I remember at one point or another, I committed to writing this book that I haven't finished, but I've outlined. Or written. I have. <laughs> this is a real passion for me personally, by the way. You need a person just to follow you around and like so, record all your stuff. My passion is financial literacy for our youth. And we you're great that. at explaining yeah. it. It is, it is a, it's a, an epidemic in our culture it right is. now. And what happens is, first of all, we have a lot of parents that are, have pretty low financial, uh, acumen's not fair, but right, they just don't have the financial depth of knowledge in, in for to then teach a lot. I mean, some of the basics of budgeting and so forth, but many people, it's the blind leading the blind, right? And so if you have learned your habits of money by advertising, essentially you've been coaxed or manipulated into doing things, and now you've put yourself in debt or other issues that come with it because you didn't have any other training, right? And what we expect to be common sense often isn't, right? okay? Then what I would love to be able to do is help a generation stop falling in that hole. Which, by the way, you when COVID first hit, you started doing these little YouTube vignettes. And if you've never checked it out, check out our Little John Financial YouTube channel because they're, they're about 20 minutes, but right. you really go over a lot of topics. Like, I feel like you will have a good base of knowledge it's to build for on. Everybody. It's useful for parents that would like to teach their kids. We, we really strip, like much like on this program, I don't hide the language from you, but we try to break it down so that it makes sense. Right. Right. If we're going to say, oh, you need to worry about asset correlation. And you go, okay, what? Yeah. Um, that's a word. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's like, well, what does we asset correlation explain, mean? You know, correlation is how two different things interact with each other and whether or not they move in lockstep or opposite or related to each other. So a highly correlated uh, investments may both move up or down simultaneously. Low correlation investments move independently of each other. An example would be Home Depot uh, and Lowe's. Home Depot and Lowe's, highly correlated. Right, because they right? sell because very similar same stuff. Same industry, same business model, same lots of stuff, different colors. Okay, Lowe's and ExxonMobil. Yeah, less correlated. Right. Not non correlated. Right. Or not inversely correlated, where one goes up and the other goes down, right? People get that in their mind too. Anyway, this is not the correlation show. Nope. The point is, we are not trying to make it hard to understand by hiding behind big words, right? right? That's how people charge more, by the way. Use really big words and contracts, and then you can charge more. Is that what it is? Can, I'm pretty do, do they sure. charge by the page? I don't know. That's how I get charged by my lawyer. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a pretty good contract right here that I've been reviewing. Yeah, so. buddy. All right. So, so this started because we were contacted by a local high school, and they, they teach a class in financial acumen a little bit, and they were saying, hey, you know, we have kids that have questions. And they said, would you help talk to these high schoolers? And I and as I was reviewing these questions with Matt, he's like, those are good questions. Some of them are kind of silly, but I, I want to see your answer and we can talk kind of round robin a little bit about these. Okay. Because 
um, you know, obviously the advice you would give may not be the advice we'll that everybody right. gives. Oh, wait, there's, oh. More? <laughs> there's more? What is it? I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. <laughs> it's one of my favorite. I'm an expert in my own opinion. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Well said. So I thought they would be fun. All right, here, we're going to start you off with a good one. Now, keep in mind, this is coming from the perspective of a high schooler. If you were me, what would you do to become a millionaire? If I were you. If you were in high school, what would you do to become a millionaire? First off, so start early. I would, I would, yep. I would open a Roth IRA account as soon as possible and start investing an amount every single month. And I would buy something really simple and low cost that meets. And I can't give investment advice on the show, so I'm going to say this isn't advice. Right, but this is something as simple as start an IRA, a Roth IRA, and the Roth IRA because your tax bracket's super low, right? right. Like you yeah. essentially have a super low tax bracket, so there's very, very limited value to getting tax write-offs when you're first starting. Right. So you start a Roth IRA, you fund it with your after-tax money, and you buy something that's a really long-term investment that's that's more stock market-based or a higher-risk investment because you have a long time horizon. And I would look at something like an S&P 500 index fund or something simple if you don't know anything, right? right? If you wanna buy a tech fund or something like that, you could do that too. Again, I can't give that specific level of advice because of regulation. So I can't advise you what to buy. What I could tell you is looking at things that fit your long-term risk profile and your, your risk objective is like, this money's not money I need for 40 years. Or more. Right. And if you were to do that, the, the the compound interest math is remarkably simple. If you make between 10 and 12% and you put 100 bucks a month away in this Roth IRA account, then by the time you're 65, you should be a multimillionaire. Now, by the way, if you want to see what compound interest looks like, we have a calculator on our yes. website. You can yep. go to Little John FS and click under tools. Yeah. There's calculators on there. And I love there's a lot of good resources on there. I love sharing those. Yeah, there's a lot of free tools on our Web page. When you I mean, look just at those flat things, out free, go use the calculator and there's it'll say, like, how much money do I need to save to become a millionaire? And it does all the calculations for you. You can even do inflation adjustments and so forth. And by the way, to the high schoolers or the people that may be teaching high schoolers, there is a time value of money calculation that's worth learning. There's also a time value of money hack that's really easy. Which is what? The rule of 72. I like this one. We've shared this one on the radio station before. Have you ever heard of the I rule have. of 72? divide 72 by the number of years that you want to invest. Or to the, the rate, rate of return. Yep. yep. And, okay, and, so. Yeah, you have three variables, 72 which I guess isn't a variable, right? Then you have the rate of return and then the number of years it takes, yeah. okay? And if you divide 72 by your rate of return, you then the, the answer is the number of years it takes to double your investment. Yeah. Right. Okay. If you divide 72 by the number of years, it's the rate of return that you need to, to double, double your, your money investment in that number of years. There you go. So it's a really cool, fun tool because you could do things like, oh, well, you know what? If I am going to invest at 12% for six years, I can double my money every six years. And the cool thing is when you look at those tables, it doesn't take a whole lot of investment on your part. If you're getting that percent of return, you, yeah. you can end up with quite a bit of money without actually putting in a whole lot. Well, this is the magic part of it, right? So here's the trick question, Renny. What's the most 
in a sequence of returns when you double your money every certain number of years, what is the most important doubling of your money in the sequence? The last, the last one. Oh, good. They both yeah. nailed it. It's not the even last one. It's yeah. the last one, Going right? from $1 million to $2 million is much more exciting than going from 1000 to 2000 Absolutely correct. And what happens is if you start really early, then yes. you start compounding sooner and pretty soon the compound interest is well greater than what you are allowed to legally contribute to an IRA. So, you know, oh, I can put six or $7,000 into a Roth IRA. Well, that's fine, but it made $400,000. I can't, I mean, that's a, that's a rounding error in that much, right? So yeah. your contribution becomes less meaningful as it continues to compound. Start because early, that's why they say That's start the early. magic, start early and often, right? Like voting in Chicago. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was a bad da da da. Um, all right, so that was that was <laughs> voting. Every wow. time I say that, I get that response from you, and it's like that is a joke in Chicago. That's been a joke for years. Oh, horrible, horrible. All right. Um, next question: If you won three and a half million, I don't know why they picked that number. If you won three and a half million dollars, would it be smart to put every dollar you had into rentals? What kind of rentals? It doesn't say. Ah, all right. What about good question. Let's, good, let's good go question. There. Let's do this. So, and we're gonna we're gonna phrase the question different. Okay. But we say, if you got three and a half million dollars suddenly, how would you invest? And then we'll talk specifically about should you put it all in rentals. But they are gonna make us take an obscene profit break first. Ah. I know. So let's do that. Stick around. Uh, we are answering questions for high school. All of you, but they're kind of <laughs> geared for for we've we got these questions from high schoolers, so we're gonna ask them. But uh, we gotta take a break. So stick around, we'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. No, you leave them alone, there's, Mom. There's no Just soup for you. <laughs> cut it out. It's all like, sit up straight. Like, what are this? I made my that, chair. Honey. Eat your green beans. Not that kind of show. Booster Welcome seat. back to the True Well Show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, delighted to have you joining us today. I'm your host, Dave Little John. In studio, joining me is Katie Shuck and Matt Dixon. All right, and we're playing with Matt's mic to make sure that it is hot enough. So we'll find out. Ooh, uh, hot tamale. All right. So we are answering a bunch of questions. If you have not, if you're just joining us, don't forget we podcast this stuff. You can check it out on our webpage. It'll be at littlejohnfs.com under the educate tab. So all of this will be available tomorrow and you can get caught up. But we're answering some questions that we've were posed to us from some high, high school students yeah yeah so what's the question katie if you won three and a half million dollars would it be smart to put every dollar you had into rentals no <laughs> because if you want it you're going to have to pay taxes if you put all the money in and then you'll have no money for taxes Ooh, and i know gotcha oh, right look you just thinking. had a windfall that and it said one right it didn't say that you received it as a life insurance death benefit or an estate proceed or anything like that. You won three and a half million dollars. Taxes. 
capital taxes gains. are going to be there's no capital gain no on capital a windfall, gains. but it will be considered taxable and so there is a like a lottery winning has a tax associated with it is it so, taxable as income or is it just I, is, is I it its own it's kind of weird its own I, I don't know what the rule is but if it's above a certain threshold and this is one of those where like that's where i go to the library right i don't remember every detail but i know enough to go wait a second that's not income and it's not a capital gain. It's winnings. And there is a specific way the IRS treats that. that. All right, so, I'm Googling it really quick while you're answering it. Okay, so okay. three and a half million dollars. So let's so, pretend that it was either an inheritance or an after-tax event. You've got three and a half million dollars to invest. Should I put this all in rentals? I love the way the question is asked, first of all. Right. Because this happens so frequently with folks as they are trying to uh, figure out or divine what to do with resources. And so people will ask these hypothetical questions, but I talk about the question before the question, right? Okay. So rentals has questions before that to get there. What kind of rental, right? Commercial or? Yeah, is this commercial or is it residential? And is it going to be multi-tenant or single tenant? Is it going to be leveraged or not? Okay. You just asked a bunch of questions and they all went oh, uh -huh. and rolled their eyes in the back of their there head. There is a matrix to rentals for decision-making and optimization right. that includes tax treatment, income type, cost of capital for if you're going to use leverage if you need to do improvements so leverage means loans right? like if you're going to take yeah, a leverage loan. is like if you're going to if you're going to buy a rental but you don't have enough money but you want so let's say hey i want to borrow some money to buy a rental and then i want the tenant to pay the mortgage right so okay? are you charging enough rent to cover the mortgage is it valued correctly for the area well what's the what is the lending institution going to require of you and how much money will they give you well it's a high schooler with three and a half million so yeah, and so pretty sure you know, credit the, ba score. the balance sheet's going to be interesting. So, <laughs> pretty sure they're paying cash for the property for at this point. Anybody <laughs> considering these things, it's not as simple as should I buy rentals. Let me suggest that I think rental properties are a healthy part of a comprehensive financial strategy. Right. Okay. So I'm not opposed to rentals at all. And as this is coming from somebody who, Doesn't for a get... living, invests in the stock market for people, right? Like that's what we do. And I'm telling you that you shouldn't just do that in most circumstances, right? And again, why do I always use these qualifiers like in most circumstances? Because kind of investment advice needs to be personal and this is not advice personal advice. It's totally personal. Right. Right. So we don't give, we can talk themes and strategies, but we don't talk about advice specifics on this program because naughty. Well, and because naughty, there's a good word. Because regulators, regulators you know, that's say what it is. no, no, no. But some of it too, like I mean, we're talking about money, and we've talked about real estate for the last few weeks on the show. Some of it also is: is it suitable for you to be a landlord? Like that's one a of the questions question. that people don't ask themselves is: are you built to be a landlord? Like sometimes Can being a landlord, it? but sometimes just well, being yeah, yeah, that's are you a handyman? But also, can you handle the confrontation side of it? Right. Yeah. You know, there there is confrontation in landlordship. Is that the term? I don't know. And how are you going to feel when you show up and someone left two weeks ago and the door's unlocked? And 
Well, I mean, or the place or is thrashed. They don't you pay don't know. rent. Oh, that's or the it's... one. That, or how do you feel when half of a duplex that you own was uh, lit on fire? Yep. There's a lot more that comes. Yeah, with it turns it. out you don't feel very good. <laughs> uh, I I may it depends. Know a guy. How is it insured? <laughs> I may know a guy. Was it overinsured? Not usually. It was adequately okay. insured, thankfully, so, but... because I eat my own cooking. Oh no, but the, so it's funny because people, you know, they they do the dollars, they run the math, right? And like, let's say it all pencils out, but then they get a bad tenant or they have a bad experience. Yep. And that can turn somebody off from furthering to continue to become a landlord for other properties, yeah. right? But, so it's- it's. But at a simple level, why would you not put it all into rentals? Because it's not diversified at that yep. point. Yeah. I mean, I on mean, a- that, That's simply, if you if you consider the the core principles of- Almost every financial planning course or certification or just anything. Yeah. <laughs> it is that you diversify your asset types and your streams of income to manage risk. Right. Okay. So when you've heard of stories about somebody that puts their entire net worth in real estate, what they've done is they followed the really simple advice of invest in what you know. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what they've done as well. I know real estate and it makes sense to me. So this is what I do. But if you talk to anybody that's been doing that for more than a couple of decades, they will tell you there have been points of significant pain in their life and they've dealt with serious headaches. Right. Right. And interestingly enough, most of the people that I know will also tell you that they have missed opportunities because they've only focused in one space in the investment menu if you will well and again we talked about just a minute ago about being a landlord like are you built to be a landlord and then some of that is you know okay well i bought three or four rentals okay great i can manage that are you are you built to be a landlord of 10 rentals or a book of rentals like at what point is it too much for you to handle personally right so like there's there's other questions involved with it that are personal decisions that you have to make not just financial ones yes so our poor high school student has asked this question and they've said should you put it all in there? And we've been really dissecting the question, right? Right. So first of all, if you won, don't forget the taxes. Second of all, probably shouldn't over, especially if you don't know anything about it, then no, I would not over concentrate all of my assets in rentals. Okay. Okay. But um, I think that they are a healthy component of a comprehensive financial strategy. So I'm certainly not ruling them out either. Okay. Are we ready to move on? I'm ready. Let's All right. It. Our listeners that have, we're not, I just have to assume that they're ready too. Like, I'm ready right, too. We've, we've By the way, I looked it up. So lottery tax, if mm-hmm. on lottery winnings is 37%. It was yeah, lowered. So top income tax. Right? Yeah, it was lowered from 39.6 to 37. So well, Amer- Americans winning lottery winnings pay 37% of it in taxes What off was the it top. before? 39.6. Okay, so- all taxes, all income taxes were lower. So basically, it's the top income tax rate. Yeah. Because that is currently the top income tax is 37%. The discussion has been about raising it. And that's what the proposal right now is to raise it to 39%. And I'm pretty sure that those are numbers. I say it like, oh, I know, as if I am the Bible of tax code. I guess you can go and Google that to figure it out, too. But uh, I'm pretty confident, like in the 99 percentile, <laughs> that it's 37% top bracket right now. And the proposal is 39%. And the break is somewhere north of 400,000 right now mm. for a married couple filing jointly. But So it's it's yeah. it's pretty 
hefty depending on the area you live yeah, in. You're making pretty decent coin by the, by the time you get to that threshold. But uh, make no mistake that uh, the you know I think that the top ten percent of earners are paying something like seventy percent of all income taxes or more. I mean they pay a lot it's of true. the income tax. Right. So when people are say and and the, like the bottom fifty percent pay almost nothing. Like in terms of income tax, it doesn't mean they don't pay taxes. Percentage right? that's, wise, that's but 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 income taxes. By the time there's earned income credits and other things going on, then they are not they're not paying income tax into the system. Right. So it is a very progressive tax system. You know, it's it's hard not to argue that. You have to really put your head in the sand to say it. It's not progressive. There you go. All right, I have a fun one, and I'm going to throw it out there, but we might take a little bit to unpack it after the break. We'll see what you say. E so they quoted Elon Musk, one of your favorites. Elon, oh, boy. Elon Musk says, work hard when you're young so you don't have to when you're old. Is that good advice, and is it true? Yes. <laughs> okay, what's the next question? Oh, really? <laughs> Moving on. Really? Okay. Well, I don't know that there's anything Just make sure and have a little that. bit of fun when you're young. Go do some stuff. See I, mean, some stuff. I don't think it means that. I think this goes back to the first question of. Like, All right, we're going to take a break and see? we'll come back and we'll unpack the Elon Musk question. <laughs> it won't take I, long. Yeah, so should you work hard when you're young so you can not work as hard when you're older? Um, what all right, mean? we'll unpack it, but we got to take our obscene profit break first. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Okay, so we are back. Thanks for tuning in to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Katie Shuck and Matt Dixon. Okay, I think we're getting the mics hopping here. We got this. Good. And now I did it again. The phone. Did you guys hear the little pings? Did you guys? All right. I'm I'm turning the pings off, but now you'll just hear the watch in the background. <laughs> I know. It's like it went from one device to two. You're two connected. Uh, in in many respects, yes. Huh. Uh, and that is. A subject for another show. Uh -oh. Let's stick to the questions. And if you're just joining us, remember podcast available at Little John FS tomorrow under the Educate tab. You get all caught up. We're answering questions from high school students. The nice thing is I think these all play together well, right? So the question that we left on the break was Elon Musk says, work hard when you're young so you don't have to when you're old. By the way, Elon Musk didn't say that originally. That's been around for a he while. May have said that. I mean, he just wasn't the only one that said it. I said originally. Hmm. Semantics. All right. So, hmm. <laughs> but but it comes from the whole work hard, play harder, right? And it yep. kind of comes from the, like, do it now. So that kind of goes back to question number one, though. Like, you know, get started. Get started young. Get started and just invest often. And if you continue to do the right so thing. So what's, what's the question again? I mean, I know what he said, but where's the question? Is it good advice? And is it true? I still will keep it simple and just say, yeah, I think it's good advice. So... And I think it's true. Right. What do you what do you think is not good or true about it? I or know. or do you? And I'm just what am I missing? I think is there it's, more like, in I think that it's like the what if you're working sixteen hours a day every single day, seven days a week? Is it worth it? I think that's where this question's going. I think there's a lot of people that don't have delayed gratification and I think it's good for that. No, it's I, my point was to that 
it's working smarter, not harder, right? Like there are people out there that work really hard for their every penny, and, but then they spend it all. And we've arrived at what matters. Yay. And then they spend <laughs> it all, right? So yes. it's like if you're not investing, if you're not doing things to build wealth, then why are you working that hard? For what, the new shiny toy? Yeah. So exactly. That's going to depreciate in value? There's a really simple book that is something that I think I could call this a recommendation even. It's not a new book. It's probably 20 years old now. Is this The Millionaire Next Door? Nope. It's oh. called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I love that book. Okay. Robert Kiyosaki. Yes. And the the basic story is about uh, somebody that you know is watching two different families, and one of them spends the money different than the other. One of them insists, hey, you should go get a great education so that you can get a great job and then get great benefits so that you can have a great retirement. And the other says, you should get the education that you need so that you go into business for yourself and then you can develop a bunch of assets and a, and you know you can have a lot of resources to have a great retirement. And they are two very different pathways. One of them is much more self-reliant. The other one is much more system-reliant. And they are two radically different methodologies and mentalities. Right. And breaking them apart, one of the key things that I took away from the book was that most people in our culture misidentify assets and liabilities. True. Right? And hmm. so and the simple definition to me is assets are things that appreciate in value and liabilities do not. So assets will store value and liabilities will lose value. Okay? And then there are some things that are weird. We've talked about them on the show before. I call them use assets. Use assets are are liabilities, but they enable you to do things that are more productive. So your vehicle is a use asset. It typically declines in value and wears out as you use it. But without a vehicle in rural Oregon, you are unable to get to employment in most cases. True. You know, and so like the transportation system is not particularly robust around here for public transit. The weather is not great. Biking is an option, but again, the weather is not great. There's a lot of hills. There's not a lot of bike-friendly environments. You're sharing with large vehicles in inclement weather conditions. It's dangerous. Right. So, uh, and there's, I'm sure some listeners out there going, no, it's not, it's just, any yes, it is. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it, but there's danger associated with it. There's danger associated with driving your car too. I get it. But those are real factors. A use asset, nevertheless, is it's consumed in the process, but enables you to produce more assets than it costs you. Which is why paying too much for a vehicle is no longer a use asset. It's a boat anchor to your finances. <laughs> true. Yeah. Very, very true. So anyhow, I think that the, the question and all of the framework underneath Elon Musk is absolutely work hard and front load the effort when you're young because it compounds. But focus on developing assets over liabilities. And the work smarter is, look, working hard it, it, it doesn't necessarily pay off, right? If you bust your tail to dig a ditch, when you could have rented equipment and done it in a fraction of the time and been cheaper off doing it that way, you're just an idiot, right? Yeah, yeah. I said it. If you can't recognize that you're going to do it and cost yourself time and money in the result, that's not hard work. That's misplaced work. You've missed value. Your and, time. And yeah. if you can't recognize that, then you are at a true disadvantage financially. You need to be able to recognize where effort is applied and where it is applied well. Right. And that's a, that's a key component. 
Okay, and this is one of those, you just need to figure these things out. Now, the good news is this is not rocket surgery. Okay, <laughs> most of this stuff, anybody can figure out. Okay, but if you can't, phone a friend. Oh, very good advice. All right. Um, remember, coming from questions from a high schooler, is it smart to put into stocks at my age? Probably yes. Okay. And the only reason I say probably is because if you already have debt or something else, then you probably need to get the liability side of your balance sheet squared away first. But if the liabilities are not an issue, I yeah, like start that building answer. assets. Yeah. That's Why not? Good. And and they said stocks. I don't think people really discern exactly, but investments. I would I would yeah, clarify I would just call say it investing. Should I invest in a high school as a high schooler? Yeah, you should because again, start early and do it yes. often. So yes. I think that all applies to that advice. Um, all right. So the next question on that was, where should I start to do that, and what should I invest in? Now, investing in is again personal advice. Yeah, can't so really, can't do, can't that, really on do that on the radio. This is where we get into Dave Ramsey land of like, well, you know, growth, growth, and income, and aggressive growth, and international, <laughs> international. investment. That's like saying go I'm buy like, your groceries at Safeway. Well, it's Great. actually What's saying like go buy your groceries <laughs> at a grocery store. That's what it's saying. It's like uh, I need a little more than that. It's like, well, you're not getting it. You go figure out which grocery store and what you're going to pay and what groceries and what brand. Right. Right. That's literally the kind of advice that's right. being given out there. So we can't give you the specifics of what to buy. But what I can tell you is there's really three ways you're going to access investments typically. Okay. Right? You can go if you want to buy a specific company stock, you can go to that company and you can often buy it directly through the register and transfer process. Right, so there's a direct purchase option. You want Disney stock, you can go to Disney Company and get just shares of Disney. Or you can go to a brokerage environment, whether it's a discount broker or online or a, a brokerage firm with a person and you walk in the door and they help you, but they will put money in an account, use that account to purchase the stock and then hold the stock in the name of your account as a brokerage style account. And the third is through investment companies where you're buying through something like a mutual fund. Okay. And you know you invest through the company and that's how you access. If there are others out there, they're not coming to the top of my mind right now. I'm not saying they don't exist, but those are the primaries that I can think of. So here's a great question on the heels of that one. Can I get stocks without a bank account? Yes. They're not associated. Yeah, stock ownership, remember it's no different than, it's, it's owning a portion of a company. Right. So sure you, you can, the question is, how are you going to pay for it? There right. are not a lot of places where you can walk in with a fistful of dollars and buy stock. Right. right? There, there's a lot of rules around that because of money laundering procedures, frankly. So you may need to produce some form of cashier's check or something else. Which you can get at like Walmart Correct. or other places. You can places, go and so. take cash and convert it to a cashier's check and then use that to fund an account that will purchase stocks. Right. So technically you don't need a bank account. You do not. Uh, it's easier with one, but you don't need one. And the reason it's easier is because the banks have sort of collaborated in validating your identity. Right. Right. They opened an account with cash and they validated who you were. So now you've got another part of the financial institutional organization validating who you are and preventing, you know, malfeasance or laundering and so forth. Well, and we were talking about time earlier. What's your time worth, right? Like if you are putting money in a checking account and then moving the money from the checking account to your investment account, it could be much easier than having to walk into Walmart every month with cash and getting a cashier's check and going through yeah. the process of waiting in line and the whole say, thing. If you just really hate banks and don't want to put your money there, life's just going to be hard. <laughs> yes, that's it's true. Okay? It's true. It's just going to be hard. Can I'm you... not going to tell you you can't do it. I'm going to say life's going to be hard so, and I'm, I don't know how to help you. We frequently talk about could and should, right? Can you do it? Sure. Should you do it? Mm, maybe. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Uh, 
Can I live without a credit card? Oh, another fun one. Can I live without a credit card? I love it because they're phrased like yes or no questions. So, yes. But would you want to? Oh, kind of. You would. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So. Well, let's do this. I, I, This ties in with another one. Is a FICO score important? And that has to do with debt and potentially All credit right. cards. So we're going to just let's do this lump it together we're gonna talk about debt a little bit but let's grab our last break i love okay? it and that way when we come back you want to know my answer to hey can you do it without credit cards fico and life and all that we got to talk about debt a little bit but we got to take this last break first so stick around we'll be right back this is dave littlejohn and katie shook and matt dixon you got true wealth on news radio 1240 kqen Hey gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. It goes by so fast. It always does, right? Time flies when you're having fun or when you're just getting beat on with financial topics by us. Right? <laughs> you're Don't getting change that dial. Oh, it's not beat on. Remember, we're salt and not peppering. Okay. Fair enough. So we have been answering high school questions in this last one. So you asked the debt question, right? right. But it was, so, it was masked though. It was sort of snuck in there as a different kind of question. Well, the first question was, can I live without a credit card? And it, like, can you, or in, in that, I don't, yes. yeah, sure you could. You can, you can live without actually, a credit card. quite easily. Yeah. You can, you could do everything with just a debit card and you don't need a credit card. No. Um, I, this is where I am not trying to get sideways with Dave Ramsey when I share this, cause you know, he's on this station. And Dave Ramsey's a lot bigger than me for now. Right? But, <laughs> but Dave Ramsey has, he's got really clear advice for helping people get out from a hole that they're in, right? When you, when you make terrible decisions, and they are, because when you spend a bunch of money you don't have. To buy things you don't need. Well, for whatever reason, right? But a bunch of money that you don't have, and now you have to pay it back. You've, you've borrowed from your future when you do that. And now your present is impacted as you have, you know, cause you, you've already advanced yourself. Right. The, the issue is, you know, he gives you this sort of fail safe way to do this. Like first get your expenses to be lower than your income and then systematically pay everything off. And the things that got you in that hole in the first place, you destroy them and exercise them from your life because you can't be trusted with them. That's right? a real right. Dave moment right there. It's true. It yeah. is. From Dave to Dave. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And if you, I mean, if, if I were to share this in a different way, and this can be terribly offensive, somebody one day will be like, did you hear him say that? Say, like, look, imagine if people treated a, a gun the same way, right? The operator is the danger, right? I mean, and if you shoot yourself every yep. time you pick up a gun, for heaven's sake, never Stop. pick up a gun. Right. Stop touching the gun. Never, ever, ever. You know, if you were that unsafe, by all means, get them out of your hands, however it takes, right? But that's how credit cards are for people. Like, I just couldn't help myself. I went out and bought a bunch of stuff I couldn't afford. We all know someone like that, too. <laughs> and to which I say, again, life will be really hard for you because you can't recognize the difference between assets and liabilities and you exhibit no self-discipline. Right. Okay. So, and, and that kind of personality is really dangerous. If you're a really addictive personality, you better get aware of that and get a handle on it because otherwise life will be hard. And, it'll, and it can manifest itself in a different area. 
right? Oh, like, I mean, oh it does. It, and it, it does. does. It just comes back in something so else. So this is not the, uh, you know, the true, like, psychology channel. That's not what we're going to do. It's <laughs> the true, true wealth. wealth. True All wealth. right. But so, that, so can I live without a credit card? The short answer is yeah, yes, absolutely. you can. Um, and you don't need credit card, but you do need to have debt instruments for a FICO score. So, and, and here's why I don't demonize credit cards the same way. If you have the money and you use the credit card as a way to pay for things over the course of the month of interaction, and then you pay it off fully, because you always had the money, you're not carrying it on a float, right? That's cheating too. That's saying, well, I'm yeah. using next month's paycheck to pay for this month's stuff. You know, you're not doing that. You have the money in the account. You could write it at any time that credit card could be paid off and the exchange is done. And you have to know something. You have to know that statistically, you're more likely to spend more on a credit card. Isn't because, it like 20%? Well, I think it's 13 to 17, but I mean, it could be as high as 20. I've heard some much higher, depending on what type of purchase. Yeah, you're disassociated like from the plastic. Way more for an airplane ticket with a credit card or a sporting event ticket with a credit card than they will for cash, right? You go buy scalper tickets, 20 bucks, on your credit card, 50. Huge difference in what people are willing to pay for sporting event tickets. There's been interesting studies about this. So you have to be aware that the card is cash. Right. It spends the same, it's the same purchasing value. Right. If you are disciplined enough to do that, then the card is a tool. And it's simply making your accounting in your life easier. And it's giving you consumer protection because credit cards are much better protected from fraud. fraud. For than example, than your debit card. If your debit card's compromised, your bank account can be emptied, right? If they or get your frozen. PIN, they can get your PIN number and you're toast. Like that account's empty and it's not the bank's problem. It's yours for letting that PIN get compromised. Your credit card has much better consumer protection laws associated with it. And sometimes too, even for traveling, like foreign transaction fees and other things too, if you travel or different stuff. So there, there could be other benefits. There, the, the, I don't <clears> think <throat> the credit card's the problem. I think it's operator error. Right. But again, the Dave Ramsey crowd, for many people, this is, you need a recipe to save yourself from yourself. Follow the formula, do not deviate, and I can keep you from falling in hot lava. <laughs> okay? Fair enough. That's, That's what he accurate. does. Fair enough. Okay? So is your FICO score important? Yeah, it is. And why is it? Well, because I know of one, like your, yeah. um, your car insurance is based on your FICO score, and I don't think a lot of teenagers realize that. And so, you know, as you get older, if you have bad credit, they correlate bad credit with bad driving because well, it's bad decision making. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know why they do that? Because it's been proven to be actuarially relevant, right? Right. Revel relevant. Relevant. That's right? the word. It's <laughs> relevant. actuarially relevant, meaning when they do the research, they find that people <clears throat> with lousy credit have more insurance claims. They're more expensive to insure. Right. So you get charged more. Right. Now, not every person with bad credit is that way, but statistically, the majority are. So they it makes price sense. it that way. There you go. So again, back to behavior and decisions, right? Correct. So the decision matrix. So is a FICO score important? It can it be. It is. Because it could actually save you money if you have a good FICO yeah. score. And right. it's important if you go to borrow money for a home. Right. Now, am I advocating that you go out and get a bunch of credit cards? No. Heavens, no. I'm not even advocating that you get a credit card. But what I am suggesting is that it is a mechanism for developing credit. And, and by the way, at under 18, depending on what grade you're in in high school, you can't get a credit card on your own anyway. You can't get a credit card under 18, period, period. because you can't legally sign a contract. Right. 
right? So you can't open a retirement account without your parents' authorization below it, under the age of 18. Right. Or again, a guardian of some sort. You cannot sign a contract. Right. At the age of 18, you're a legal adult. You can now sign and authorize things as an as an adult. Yeah, you're so an adult, you so can guess start what? Getting adult privileges and adult consequences. Oh, there you go. I was waiting for that statement. So it's true, right? Like That's you get it. the benefit and the doubt. Yeah. So do I think that credit cards are evil? No. Do I think they're dangerous? Yes. And I think it's because here's the other. For a lot of uh, our young folks, it, nobody wants to hear this, but look, your brain isn't fully developed. An 18-year-old doesn't think like a 28-year-old that doesn't think like a 38-year-old. True. Okay. Now, the difference between 28 and 38 is mostly life experience. The difference between 18 and 28 is brain development. Like your brain is still growing and maturing yeah. and changing and you, the the decision parts of the brain haven't fully formed. So you get a lot more goofy decisions and it's also like that's why there's more car accidents and stuff like that. It's not just experience, it's judgment. Right? And those things change yep. as you age. Yep. So no, I think credit cards need to be handled with great care, but I think that they are financial tools. And like any tool when properly utilized can be beneficial when improperly utilized can, can be harmful hurt you. <laughs> yeah harmful danger will robinson danger all right i those were the pretty good questions on there i mean it's it's kind of just surrounding again we've talked about debt we've talked about the one thing that it's kind of circled and we haven't actually mentioned is the budget right like Yes. I mean, so I would say out of all of these things, it comes down to budget, right? What is your income and what is your output? And how are you choosing to tell your money where to go? I like that phraseology. You tell your money where to go. Because otherwise it's up and gone and it going to win. Yeah. yeah, you tell your money where to it goes. You don't, it doesn't just make up its own mind. You, you're in charge of that. And so you get to be responsible for that. Um, so I, I like that phraseology a lot. Yep. And parents, if you're out there listening, because we know you're smart listeners, do a mock budget with your teens and have them figure out grocery shopping and utilities and stuff. You'd be amazed. You might start saving on your utilities and you might get the generic brand peanut butter. That's it. All right. Spend less than you make. That's the magic. (laughs) Buy low, sell high. That's the other. All right. We are out of time for now. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, until, well, Katie, they reach us how? 541-375-0898. All right. And then until next time, this has been Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shuck. And Matt Dixon. You've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Littlejohn Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.